I learned how to obey orders because I do think before you need to lead, you need to learn how to follow. They slid into your DMs for yes. a reality show. Yeah. That's cool. I used to live in a world where people called me ugly. A girl I had a crush on, when she came out of the bathroom and she was crying, she pointed at me and she said, because he likes me. So she was so ashamed that I liked her. Oh, you're tall for an Asian guy. You're uh, handsome for an Asian guy. You're, you have muscles for an Asian guy. I'm like, are Asian guys like lower quality? Yeah. Like, what do you mean? I just want Asian men to be considered equal and sexy among all men. Daniel Kim, former veteran U.S. Air Force captain turned reality TV show superstar. Daniel stars in the reality TV dating show The Courtship that is on one of the top U.S. TV networks, NBC. Not only is Daniel an actor and model, he is also a motivational speaker and lifestyle coach. In this podcast, we talk to Daniel about his adventurous, eventful life and the importance of discipline and duty. We continue talking about living and working out of Thailand as a model, actor, and lifestyle coaching. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, introducing Daniel Kim. Over 75% of the people watching this video are not subscribed. Could you please take a moment to subscribe to the Tiger Podcast? It would really help us out. So Daniel, let's start with your early roots. One of the most interesting facts I found out about you was that you were actually part of the U.S. Air Force. Yes. What made you get into the Air Force in particular? Um, so, you know, being an Asian kid growing up, in America, you know, your parents want you to go to good school and everything. And I, I didn't honestly have the grades to go like Ivy League, to be honest. Like I wouldn't, I wasn't a standout athlete and everything like that. So, and I, I, I was, I was never like the star student. Um, but I worked hard on my grades. My grades were still decent enough. And I kind of dreamed big, to be honest. I was like, I didn't want to go Ivy League because that's what most of my Asian friends were going to, and also everyone was going to the local school in the community. So I watched this movie called Annapolis. It's actually, no one probably watched it, but it's with James Franco. And it was about the Naval Academy. Okay. And it resonated a lot with me because basically the main character had tried. He basically went for the, so the military academies are like, I think they're everywhere in the world, but there's three main academies, Naval, Air Force, and West Point. West Point is like the longest standing where like generals, presidents went there. It's very well known. So a military academy. And I wanted to go to the Air Force one because it's far away from home. And I wanted to, like, challenge myself because I always felt like being the second son, too, and also being bullied in high school for being overweight and Asian, I felt like I wanted to push myself. And I felt when I watched that movie, it resonated where the guy was like, everyone said he couldn't get in. And uh, I was like, I want to be that guy. Okay. So I remember I became actually that guy. Similar kind of experience where I got rejected a couple of times. We had to get letters from the governor and senators and stuff. We had to get, like... Pretty much we had to take a fitness test, get letters of recommendation from at least three. I got two at least, but got rejected from the third one. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to push myself. And once you get to the academy, you actually become an officer right away after four years. So most pilots come from my school because it's a pretty much guarantee from the Air Force Academy. So oh, I see. long story, but yeah, yeah that's try to keep it short on that one. Nice. Yeah. And so you, you actually left the Air Force as a captain. Yes. Yes. So how, how long did you stay in total? I think it was six years. So when you do the military academy route, you got to at least serve five. Okay. Um, because 
free education. Yeah. So you had to do five, but on my sixth year, I was like, I just had a moment that um, if I was still stationed in Korea, though, I was actually stationed in Korea during the whole crazy North Korea stuff. Okay. That was really cool. Yeah. And I was kind of in that moment. I was like, dang, I feel like I'm doing something. <laughs> okay. Uh, but once they like, they actually told me I did too good of a job, so they wanted me to go to LA and do some stuff there, and I was like. I can't do this. I can't have somebody just controlling my life. And, and uh, yeah, so this, I got out as a captain. So that's okay. why I still call myself captain here and there. So, so, you know, when you say U.S. Air Force, are we talking about you flying fighter jets and everything? or? So everyone asked me about pilots. Right? So yeah. I actually jumped out of planes. I was okay. uh, So our school was very interesting. You got to go. The, so if you want to be a pilot, my school is the best to get a pilot slot because it's pretty much a guarantee um, the, you know, it's, it's a government-funded school, taxpayer. So if you go to that school and you get good enough grades, it's like you'll become a pilot and you go to pilot training. But for me, I went to the academy to challenge myself as a, as a man in a way, like a military guy. And this I is the U.S. Air Force Academy. Yeah, U.S. Air Force okay. Academy. Um, but then if I had to be a pilot, I was never interested in planes, to be honest. I was afraid of heights. Okay. So I knew I had a slot. If I put it in, I would have a slot. But then it's a 10-year commitment. And usually you do five more years to get the hours, and I didn't want to stay. Ten years, yeah. Most likely fifteen to twenty, because you might as well just retire, right? But um, I have no regrets. But yeah, um, wasn't a pilot, uh, but I did like jump out of airplane and did, did the gliding thing. All right. Um, so yeah. Wow, not yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah. So you know, with the Air Force, there's a lot of discipline. You've got the Air Force culture. I think. Normally, it's what the Marines, the Navy, the Air Force, yeah. you know, they all have their different culture. But what what they have in general is like a regiment. And I just wanted to ask you, like, how's your lifestyle during the U.S. Air Force um, affected your lifestyle now? Do you find yourself, you know, practicing the same things that maybe you used to back then to guide your life now? Yeah. So actually, the academy years with the, the school where I trained to be an officer were probably the biggest life changing years for me. Um, because, well, first let me tell you one thing I learned that I always still to this day. It's called duty. Um, I feel like, I feel like as as men and women, but for because I'm a man, I do think men we have a duty to protect, right? Like I feel like, what do you define a man as? To protect, right, and provide, basic needs, right? Protect loved ones, protect your friends, protect your family. And I feel like the military taught me that because before my mom protected me, my dad protected me, they provided for me, they took care of me. And I felt like the military made me grow up fast. And it's like, let's say we lose everything, right? Let's say we lose money, whatever in the end, some people need to step up. And I'm not saying I'll be like the first one and be like, oh man, let me fight. But mm -hmm. I remember I asked a couple of friends back in the States, I'm like, would you ever, if we went to war, would you ever do it? Like, no, I'm just gonna give up my citizenship. And, I, and maybe I got brainwashed by the military, but for me, I'm like, you were born in a country where they're providing certain freedoms for you that I live in Thailand, I see that we don't have, and you're willing to just give that up because you don't want to fight. And I think, like I'm a man, so I'll speak for a man. I feel like men lost that in a way, and I haven't lost that yet. If I have to go to war, if I have to fight, I'm gonna fight. Even if like, if I lose my life, but we're at war anyways. It's not like the life, the world's gonna be perfect, right? So mm -hmm. I think that's one thing, duty. Discipline for sure, because uh, our freshman years, we call it like, hazing yeah um and man we had the dumbest things we had to do like we couldn't <laughs> carry our backpacks on our shoulders with the carry on our left hand okay and then we had these marble strips on our campus you have to walk the strips 
and they say walk and run. They tell us to walk and run, and we're like, it was just dumb things that we had to do. And our left hands, like, were so like, because most of us right it anyways. Left hands are sore. We had to become alarm clocks for the upperclassmen. Wake up every morning at five. I had the unfortunate circumstance where I lost too much weight and I couldn't do a push-up, and I was able to do a little bit, but I failed the fitness test. So if you fail the fitness test at least three times, you get kicked out or something. So I got, I got, uh, I got on the reconditioning program. But the way they make it set up is like humiliating, right? They make you line up, you go to the gym after your classes, stuff, stuff like that. But I guess for me though, it also taught me that the military taught me it's like, it's it's something where it's not really how you start. It is how you finish because I remember my freshman year, I was so bad. Like I wore flip-flops to basic training and they were yelling at me like, you think you're going to beach? Um, there's so many stories I want to tell you, but like, but let's long story short, yeah. freshman year, I was, they called me a, we call them poop bags, like okay. tools, like okay. who just don't know what to do. And I always got in trouble and I really felt bad for my peers. But at the end, uh, I became a squadron commander my senior year where I got to march my graduation parade where they like announced my name. And this is the same parade that my dad saw orientation before my freshman year where he was like, wow, it would be really cool if my son could march those people. Mm. And I became one of those people. And I remember the shock of everyone's faces when I got that. So it really taught me that if you could believe in yourself, and I know it's so cliche, right? But first is to learn about suffering, right? You suffer. And I think a lot of people don't know how to suffer these days. And then living in Thailand, I do want to talk about that later, but like people suffer life's not easy and i think that's what the military told me like through discipline you can make it through everything so and duty is probably the next big thing duty and discipline um you just gotta serve as a man you have, you have the duty to protect your family whatever stuff like that so okay yeah. quick question about the hazing you know i think it's um anyone who's ever watched a hollywood movie especially yeah, yeah, about yeah. any army or movie yeah. like you know we're well aware of what hazing is but i wanted to know what are the consequences of not putting up with the hazing because i i I often find myself thinking that you know like why did these guys like put up with that like can't you just say no can't you report them or is that it or does it get worse if you do so it it got better right now people uh the military some people call it soft or you know you know there's things coming and you can report a lot of things where um you know people can report if they feel like there's abuse but i think when i went through it it's, it sounds so weird, and maybe I just fell into the matrix of the system, okay. <laughs> of the government. But I kind of wanted to suffer, like in a weird way. Like at the time, of course, if they said anything racist, I would have said something up. Yeah. But I think um, it's like a weird paradox. It's like a bittersweet thing because I learned how to obey orders. Because I do think before you need to lead, we we're, we're taught to be leaders because we're officers, right? You need to learn how to follow. Yeah. But it's a fine line, right? Because just because someone has a higher rank than you, you should be following. Um, so I remember I never put up. I actually put up with some of the stuff that we went through. But I remember I stared one upperclassman down. And you get destroyed for it. I was like, I was really pissed. And I, and I remember he stared me down. And I think there's times where you do have to stand up for yourself. So there's core values in the Air Force called integrity first, service before self, um, excellence on we do. I think those are very important. And that's what we look at every day right? when we live there. But I also have core values for myself. And I think if you have core values for yourself and those core values are drawn, someone crosses the line, you should stand up for yourself, even if it means. And it comes to that movie, right? The guy, Hacksaw Ridge. I don't know if you yeah. saw that movie. Yeah. He doesn't use a gun. Yeah. So Medic, I, yeah. Yeah. And it, they say it's based on a true story. And it's that's crazy, right? 
And I think that's what I'm saying. I think if you have core values and the military goes against it, either you say something or just leave it. It's a choice. For me, I actually depended more on the military more to develop my core values. I was such a like a lazy kid. My parents spoiled me. Um, and I didn't know how hard my parents worked to take care of me. So I needed that wake-up call. So I fell into the trap. But I think for other people, that's why a lot of people don't join the military, right? It, it has too, they say it's too much of a doctrine system. Um, so, yeah, you will get punished if you stand up. But I think it has become more flexible for sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's quite honest of you to kind of admit as well that maybe initially you joined the military because, you know, you, you need, wanted to find out more about yourself, what yeah. you're capable of. And, yeah. and it kind of almost helped you to shape the man and the values that you have now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, you know, now we're making a quick segue into a completely different topic. Yeah. We started talking about the military. How did you make a move into, like, filming and TV? Like, what were you a model? You know, obviously being in the military, you know, you must have gotten yeah, yeah. in shape which you are as well yeah, now. Yeah. So, like, how did you end up auditioning? And, 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 you know, did you start off as a model? How did that begin? No. So I was, I told you, I used to be overweight and I used okay. to be ugly. And no, I didn't do plastic surgery, right? Like, it's just my face, blessings to God. It just started changing as I got older. Um, so I guess you could say this, the ugly duckling swan story, where, honestly, modeling was like, I remember in Thailand, I came here, and they, they used to have these model nights five years ago at these clubs. And I remember I used to like think there were models were God and stuff and like goddesses. I'm like, there's no way I would never be that, right? Yeah. But what interesting what happens was I told you I got stationed in LA. And when I got stationed in LA, I kind of saw actors, actresses, or people were trying. And the thing about LA, and I don't want to like give everyone dreams and stuff, but there is opportunity if you go, right? You're still there. So there's opportunity. So I think I got one show. It actually was on a show that was very small, one episode called Dating No Filter. And in a weird way, that got me the confidence to be like, wait, I don't look that bad on camera. And then we started with that. And then when I officially got out of the military, um, you know, uh, for a whole year while I was in Korea, I started getting messages since once. I think what happened was that show kind of started a trend where, you know, casting people knew me about me, I guess. And I got a couple DMs. So I got DMs about uh, Bachelor um, apparently I had a, I had a possible casting for, uh, too hot to handle too. Okay. They told me it was love boat or something okay. like that. Okay. So I was just getting all these messages and stuff and, you know, I, I kind of like went for it, did maybe a video for here and there, but this new show came up and I think, I think what really helped was Instagram. I think people now can really, as a, if you want to be a model, you don't, well, sorry about the agencies, but like, as an, it's good to work with an agency, but I do think you could build yourself up yeah. through Instagram, right? Because everyone, I think, can be a model in their own way yeah. since the world's so open. So I think... It's not a heavy reliance only on agencies. It's like you can try to make a name for yourself. Like yeah, it's doors. a brand. Okay. Yeah, yeah. you guys see yourself a brand. So I think that's what helped me, my Instagram for sure. Okay. So so talk to me a little bit about the courtship. Now, yeah. <laughs> this was your most recent... Um, Probably the recent and biggest, yeah. Okay, so... How was this advertised? How did they find you? Were you in Thailand at that time, or? Um, actually, I was in Korea. Okay. And they messaged me, and there were uh, so I got a DM about it, and actually, this is crazy. The they slid into your DMs for yes. a reality show. Yeah, that's cool. Because it was a new one. It okay. was a new show, and I think they were looking for minorities for sure. But that's what I'm talking about. A lot of Asian people are now on dating shows, and I think 
with the Hollywood stuff there, you know, you know the whole controversy with minorities. So I think they were looking for an Asian male. And what's crazy is the girl who messaged me, uh, wanna give her a shout out, but she's the one who messaged me and she, we were, I guess we talked before, but we actually found out we're from the same high school. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I know that didn't really help me, but I, I do think that brought this connection and she just pushed me forward. And then while I was in Korea, I did a full interview uh, with the whole directors, NBC and everything on Zoom, because that's during and they, let's go. They're like, let's go. Can you nice. come to uh, England? Shout out to your friend. I yeah. know a guy. I went yeah, to high yeah, school yeah. with him. Yeah, they're looking for, I think, an nice. Asian guy for sure. All right. Um, but like, sh- yeah, like you said, I think, I think social media has kind of changed the game because show business um, in itself, um, it's a tough business to break into, and you're right. Like unless you're in Hollywood and you, you know you spend years and years auditioning and you you don't get that big break or whatever, but um, you have to be a person who's also able to deal with rejection. Yeah. And um, how was the experience for you? And what are the things you love and hate about the industry? You know, have you have you dealt with putting yourself out there and being rejected? Yeah. Um, personally. Yeah, I mean. Even right now, working with you know modeling in Thailand, you do, you deal with rejection, right? You go to a casting, you get rejected. Um, I put on out for shows. I actually wanted to go to Singles Inferno too. Um, hopefully, I get Physical 100. That's a new Netflix show. I want to get season two for that. It's a really good show. So this industry, I'm actually new to it, and I'm so glad. You know, in a weird way, everyone thinks you should start the industry young. I'm glad I'm starting it now in like my 30s because it's such a messed up industry in a weird way it's, there's a lot of positives right but people don't know like okay so this is a this is a story that probably sums it all up i used to live in a world where people called me ugly right i knew that i was ugly when a girl i had a crush on she came out of the, it was like around middle school she came out of the bathroom and she was crying and the bullies who were like kind of bullying me asked her why are you crying she pointed at me and she said because he likes me so she was so ashamed that i liked her oh no yeah okay. and i never heard a compliment and I also remember, like, this one guy, just my bully, like, showed me around all around uh, the church I used to go to and uh, asked each person, like, I think it was 20 people, who's better looking, me or him, and they all picked him. So I, I had, I just accepted that I was going to be ugly my whole life, which is fine. Like, that actually made me happier because I was like, let's work on other skills. But when I actually transitioned to this world, now you get a validation, right? Oh, you get the likes, you get people saying, you're so handsome, um, like, all this positivity. And... But then in this industry, there's a lot of handsome people and beautiful people. Yes. Like, that's just how it is. That's why it's, it's Hollywood. And that made me compare. And I think comparison, if I was younger, I'd be destroyed by the industry. I would have just done anything I could to, you know, make myself look better. And it just would have been a constant battle with not myself, but with other people. But with now with the industry, what I'm working on, and it's, it's crazy that you're bringing this up, is that it's just focus on me. Like, if I can just be better and I can focus on my strengths, and people don't realize looks you're kind of born with, right? Unless you get, right, surgery or whatever. But I do think looks, everyone's born. And I think every person's look is unique. Because there's some people who, Asian people who model in, like, Europe, they have a way different look. They have, like, the more Asian look. Um, and thank God, Korean's a thing now, because now I have the opportunity to model as a Korean guy before Thailand did not accept Asian models like four okay. years ago. It was not a thing. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, but what I realized is we can actually build this skill called charisma. Mm-hmm. If you can work on yourself and figure out what your strengths are, no one has that. 
And I think that's what I'm working on now because I'm still new here. Because now what I'm hearing, especially because I used to try to modeling and working in Korea and TV, everyone in Korea is good looking. So they're looking more for like what makes you different because everyone's attractive, everyone's good looking, yeah. right? So that's why I would say the industry is like the pros and cons, right? You actually have to be more yourself to succeed now. Yeah. So let's talk about your relationship with Thailand. Like how, how many years have you been in Thailand in general? So Thailand always had a special place in my yeah. heart, right? Um, I've got, I went here just for vacation. It was one of my favorite places of vacation. But this past year, I came here just, you know, during the to train for the courtship. Yeah. Uh, I got a little chubby because of the uh, I got in America. And I was like, man, I need to just train. So I went to Phuket. Shout out to Soi Taed, the street, the fighter street. Oh, Soi Taed, yeah, okay, yeah. in Phuket. Yeah, okay. yeah, so I just trained there. Which one did you go, Unit 24? Yeah, Unit 24, their breakfast burritos. Shout out to that, nice. I love their thing. So I just trained out, trained there for like two months and I got really good shape. And I was getting ready for the show, but then when the show, you know, it's all, all out there. So I could tell you, after two episodes, it, it, it really went down. And it didn't So the show we're talking about is The Courtship. Yeah, The Courtship. Yeah. So, all right. Um, so this was filmed in America, right? No, it was actually in England, York. Oh, okay. York, so, yeah. so you went to York. You did the show. Yeah. Two episodes later, it had poor ratings. Yeah, poor ratings. So it was on NBC, yeah. really big network. Um, we took the slot for Olympics, which was prime time for that channel. It was actually not supposed to be on that time. It was supposed to be streaming. Uh, so it was Peacock. That was a competition with Netflix. Um, so then, yeah, they basically moved it to NBC, uh, USA Network because, you know, at a later time because the ratings weren't that high, which, you know, it happens. So yeah. not complaining, but yeah. So, okay. So it wasn't canceled, but it hasn't been renewed for a new year. Yeah. Is I mean, obviously nobody, especially the network, doesn't want to see that. You know, low ratings means that might probably be canceled maybe maybe not yeah but why do you think it is that um it it, it didn't work out because okay it, you had things going against you like it was during the olympics you had a prime spot but bridgerton itself yeah. was like this massive show and and obviously like when a network like nbc gets behind projects like this yeah. no, nobody sets out <laughs> making yeah. a failure right yeah, yeah yeah of course so, so what do you think like didn't appeal to the audience i think it was so it was very big budget and the marketing team was actually really good they were actually getting me to talk with oh i wish i'd talk with you guys too but i was talking to some networks um i remember got uh articles out on all k-pop and they're helping the other guys especially the girl they promoted the girl really well she was on today's show and everything so the marketing was good i think the intention was good so intention was there's one girl and there's 20 suitors and it was like Bridgerton, right? And the whole concept was to be classy, right? It's supposed to be a classy courtship because all the other shows like Love Island, Temptation Island, Bachelor, and yeah, stuff. Bachelor yeah. or Too Hot to Handle is kind of more, um, yeah, more sexual, yeah, raunchy right? kind of, yeah. Yeah. So they were going to go with the right concept, but I think, and this is my personal opinion, I think they didn't let, from when I watched it, and maybe I'm biased too because I was part of the show. They didn't let any like they didn't let any one character let the the uh let the audience fall in love with okay. the character. I think the girl too, but like I think the main character too, the girl, I think they didn't let her like show her it, the editing was kinda weird. Like I, I know who she was. She was a very sweet girl. I felt like sometimes the storytelling was a little different. But I don't know. To be honest, I don't know why it didn't do well. But it's still on Peacock. 
So you never know, maybe it will get successful later on. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Okay. Uh, but I think the storytelling was, it was too fast. It okay. was just, the story moved too fast, I think, when I watched it. So. Okay. How's the filming culture in the U.S.? Like, how are the people on set? Um, so it was interesting because we work with the Engl- England set too. So okay. it was like a mutual yeah. effort. Um, well, first, you know this, right? Everyone on set, thank you guys. You just, the staff works so hard. Yeah. Um, I think the set was, I think everything, everyone's very professional. Um, they make sure we're all taken care of. And this was during COVID. Uh, I think the staff are actually, and it was a big budget, right? So I think it was very professional. It was very hardworking. Um, I guess it, I guess for details, I think it's just very professional, and you you know, okay, American yeah. industries have money. especially I think in in a big budget yeah, show, they got, like they, they take care of yeah. you, you know, they yeah. got people. They're like, hey, are you are you well taken care of? Do you need food? Do yeah. you need this? It's the complete opposite experience if you're in a low budget production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, and so obviously Bridget and you know, yeah, it was a very big budget show, but did you? ever work on smaller budget productions and and find that maybe the people working like either the producers and stuff like weren't as friendly or accommodating as um yeah honestly the small budget right let's say i worked the commercials out in thailand here and everything Mm -hmm. like that but i just love working with thai people i just want to put it out there i feel like if you're nice to thai people right uh, but here's I think the, uh, oh I do realize low budget they're not as planned well yeah the schedules like <laughs> yeah. oh sorry the schedule changed we're actually doing it. so that's probably my biggest difference between a big budget and a yeah. small budget I feel like small budget um, there's not room for flexibility but for some things things go wrong okay. big budget things go wrong money can fix it um, and they do really care about the well being. For example, like we offer, we asked for a gym. They gave us a gym. Okay. They gave us food anytime. Like, what do you guys want? We want this. We send them a list and they get it. Small budget, you kind of take what they give you, right? So I think in terms of small budget, it's kind of like I have to be more flexible and be more professional. And I'm not, I don't, I don't complain. That's, I think that's one thing as any professional, you should never complain about your work unless, you know, something bad happens. But small budget, it's just like you got to, Suffer more? Not, okay. Uh, not suffer yeah. more. You know what I mean, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just yeah. Ex- ex- except the fact that it's like, it yeah, is the way it is. Yeah, it is the just, way it yeah. is, man. Just help the staff out. Do you, let, let's talk about your experience in, in Thailand and filming here. Like, do you have any frustrations with the Thai way of working? Because, it, I mean, a, a lot of productions obviously come to Thailand because, you know, it's one third of the cost if they shot yeah, it yeah, in yeah, the I US. Yeah, about that. A lot of movies are coming. So, so like, but do you feel like the... Working in productions here is perhaps um, better or worse compared to U.S.? So I actually can't have an opinion on this, and this is what I realized, because I do think, um, like, obviously it's a little different, right? So, for example, scheduling. Like, U.S. kind of plans out. Thailand's kind of sometimes last minute, but that just comes with the modeling job I have, right? Sometimes they just want a last-minute model, right? But I think the biggest thing is my own issue is, for myself, is I don't speak the language, because you do want to know. So for me, if the client wants something, right, um, I want to make sure I give what the client want, what yeah. kind of look they want, what kind of acting they want, what kind of atmosphere, right? So I think that was my biggest issue that I'm currently facing. And I can't, I'm not going to tell them to speak English. It's my job. I'm a guest in this country. I should learn Thai mm-hmm. or the basics of Thai. It is not my, it is not their duty 
to hire me a translator or anything. So I think that's my own thing I'm working on. It's like, how do I learn Thai? If I'm going to stay here longer, um, learn Thai. Um, but that's probably the language barrier because I want to give them what they want. And when I don't, time gets extended because yeah. of me. So that's where I feel bad. So do you feel like you would have gotten a lot more jobs or are overlooked for some jobs just because of the language barrier? I think when I go to castings, I want to know what I'm getting into, right? Like, what's the look? What's mm -hmm. the vibe I'm trying to go into? So I wouldn't... So for me, in terms of all results in life, I think I should take full responsibility. So yeah, I believe if I learn Thai, I could definitely succeed more in Thailand because okay. it's it's the language, right? Okay. Yeah. Um. All right. Um. I, I want to get back into, like, something that we were actually talking a little bit about. Uh, before the show yeah. basically talking about you know producers and how reality sh uh, tv shows yeah. work so you know obviously again like there's some things that you know maybe we yeah. can't discuss um but how does the show work like are there producers you know telling you what to do or are there any tricks favoritism schemes like there's a lot of drama in this because it is yeah, at the yeah, end yeah. a competition of a show so uh, is there <sighs> are there ways that um people are trying to you know get get an advantage over other people um so i do think so while i was in the experience you know i i kind of had this is my first big budget reality dating show right okay so i was kind of thinking is it more free reign where like we get a chance to go talk to the girl more um like are they filming us constantly so all these questions right and i do realize there has to be a story right yeah. it's still a show mm -hmm. but it's still a show there has to be either a hero's journey or whatever so i do think um, I didn't know who they were, but they, I knew there was like a head, the head PDs. They're creating certain kind of story. They're having the set. And I think I didn't have as much freedom as I thought I did. You know, in terms of freedom, it's like, can I do, can I just go up and talk to her? Can I just do this? Can I just take her on a date in front of the guys? It's a competition, right? So can I just go as a date? So I think I didn't have as much freedom where I could just go up to her and be like, hey, I want to talk to you and we message you because they're like, no, 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 it has to be, on, you know, it has, it has to be on camera, right? Everything has to be filmed. So that's where it got a little bit like, man, I don't have as much freedom because it's a courtship. I'm still trying to date her and yeah. make her like me. But that time to get time with her was very difficult. There's a certain time window. So I think that was kind of the thing. Um, I do think, you know, you ask questions. How come some people are more on camera? Right. Yeah. Right. Um, for me, though, personally, I had real drama on the show. Right. Actual where me and this one guy, we went at it and. Uh, you know, I think, yeah, definitely the the producers probably saw that, that me and this guy had legit tension. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I wouldn't, I don't know if the situations were created for us to like, we have a huge argument on the show. Um, oh, and I'm the only one who leaves and comes back to have an argument on the show. So I had arguments, two guys. Oh, okay. Uh, and the last guy was a very surprised thing because... You know what happens when someone leaves. They just leave. Yeah. You just get into the horse carriage and they say bye. And yeah. And we're like, okay, bye. And you, you, know, you go back and you go home. But I was called back. They're like, oh, by the way, you know, they're like, so I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know. I actually thought a friend was, they were going to give me a chance to say, because I got close with some of the guys. Okay. So I thought I was going to say bye to them. But uh, yeah, so there's a setup. Uh, I don't know if it was a setup. I just think, you know, there's a story where like, you know, like, um, yeah, there was a fight scene. Not okay. a legit fight scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And him got into it. So do you feel like they maybe, like, might have tried tried to brand you as, like, the bad boy of the group or something? So that's the interesting part. We don't know, right? You, I, I didn't know what I was going to be until the end of the 
I watched it, right? Uh, I actually got branded more as the goody two-shoe guy. I oh, okay. The rules. So I was the only guy called captain. I was the military. So back in the day, if you were an officer, retired, whatever, or even out of the military, but if you're in the military, they called you by your rank. So you're not, everyone's called sir, last name. I was Captain Kim. So I think with me, I got more branded as the goody two-shoe guys who followed the rules. So I followed the rules to a T, but that was how I thought the show was going to be in terms of Regency era. Regency era is like back in the day, you hold the door, you eat food a certain way, you pull out. The, there's very like specific rules back in that era, right? Like Bridgerton, if you watch yeah, it, yeah. very specific. So I just memorized all that stuff. I read books on it, prepare like that. But I think, you know, I guess some guys didn't have to do all that. And that's where my frustration came in. All right. Yeah. So how does it feel when, you know, you're, you're one of like, how many guys are there, 10? There's 20 total 20. in the beginning. So yeah. how does it feel like being one of 20 guys trying to court for the same woman? Like, do you... So I, I know you said that everything has to be on camera, but does that mean, like, zero time with the girl without the camera? Like, I mean, where do you guys have lunch or food? We or? weren't allowed to be next to her, but I'm telling you, like, yeah, obviously some guys kind of, like, yeah. during break time when it's cut shot or something, they would try to go talk. I thought we weren't allowed to. I thought that was a rule. To make a fair game because if everyone attacks and goes talk to her but i didn't know i don't know what the rules were i think that was a confusion i had it's like wait can we go talk to her okay. and i think that's where i kind of probably lost my advantage of like trying to get to know her more behind the scenes mm. but we were allowed to talk to her we're not allowed to go to where she lives so there was a lot of uh like that stuff too so um yeah i it was yeah, that's all I can say. I think I didn't know the exact rules. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And is the entire episode shot like in one day? No, 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 no. That's uh, there's. I think sometimes they make yeah, it seem like that. Yeah, and yeah. you know weather, weather issues and stuff like yeah. that. They try to. I think I don't remember exactly, but I do think there's some moments where we try to, but weather or something happens on set. So, but they try to make it same right um because we had costumes remember we had the same outfits and everything like that but i think date the some of the in the show the dates yeah that's one day um events we do that's one day usually but okay. we got the staff and the whole team so yep okay cool all right so what advice would you give someone considering auditioning for um a dating show Break the rules. <laughs> oh, it's so interesting, man. I'm going to just give, I guess I could give my advice to myself right. in the future if yeah. I ever. <sighs> Be a rule breaker. Yeah. First, find out what's the fine line between that and go and be honest with what you want. A lot of people say they go in for love. I mean, come on, right? Yeah. Like, I do think. <laughs> that's actually. So, <laughs> that's the follow-up question. Yeah. Before I let you finish it, I was like, a lot. I, the question literally starts with a lot of people who go on reality love shows, they say that, you know, they're going for love or I'm, I'm here for the right reasons. But they actually statistically, they never end up dating uh, for long after the show. They actually break up, break up, uh, especially for, for yeah, the Bachelor yeah, yeah. and Bachelorette. Yeah. But uh, so do people actually go there to find love or is it an opportunity to be on camera and TV? So I can't, I can't speak for everyone. Okay, right. Yeah. Um, so I think, and you've seen it, right? A lot of people on the shows, it, it's, it's, it's exposure. 
So I do think there's exposure involved, right? Because honestly, do I want, let's say all my dates in the past, do I want people to see how my dates went? No, let's be honest. Do (laughs) do I want the cheesy lines I say or whatever I do? No, but I think personally, okay, this is kind of weird, but I actually went there because at the time I was actually doing um, some like coaching with someone to kind of figure out what I want in my life. Because for me, I was trying to figure out where do I want to go with this? Where do I want to go in my dating life, my career also? So I was trying to figure that out. And the show gave me this opportune moment, like, it'd be kind of cool to, like, go in with the right mindset. Because um, I feel like if I went in there just to get exposure, I would have probably lost. Because um, I think also the producers won't like that either, I feel like. If you just, if they find out you're just trying to get thing. Um, but I think for me, it was a little bit of both, for sure. Um, me being the only Asian guy on the show, I definitely want exposure of that. But, yeah, I, we didn't know who the girl was, by the way, before mm-hmm. we went in. So I didn't know who it was going to be. Oh, did you not? No, we had no idea. So the first scene, that was all. Whoa. Like, first seeing her for the first time. Wait, that's a first for me. Wait, so yeah, yeah. you have no idea no, who the girl know. is. Nope. nope. They just said she's going to be beautiful. She's going to be amazing. And that first scene where we all like go like that, that's all real. Like where we're like, oh, shoot, that's the first time we see her. And um, yeah. So you, Did you ever think that they're going to pull one on you and be like, um, you know. So it, it, it's. Well, because she came with two sisters. I know one sister and one best friend. Okay. So we thought, like, we all create these storylines and everything like that. Because remember, she was a black, she was an African American girl, and her her best friend was white, right? And that was interesting, right? Like, they're putting that thing. So I remember, like, some guys were like thinking, like, is this like a storyline they're creating? Whatever? Are they gonna bring more princesses or things? Okay. So there's a lot of stories, but yeah, the fact that like one girl with 20 guys, it was just interesting how they were mm-hmm. going to play. Cause even Bridgerton, you have more than one girl, right? Okay. So we want to see where they're going to go with it. But, um, so, so before we end, uh, this topic about, you know, the filming, so are, are there any future projects that you're currently working on or that you're excited about? Uh, yeah, I do want to go do more. So if I do more stuff in Thailand, I have mm. to learn Thai, right? That's yeah. part of the thing. But yeah, Netflix is my next big goal. Uh, I really want to get on the a Korean show because I'm Korean American. I speak Korean. Uh, Netflix, their new show, Fiscal 100, is more my vibe. It's not a dating show. It's competition. Um, I do have the fitness capabilities. I used to be in the Air Force, so I really want to go on that show. I kind of want to do Singles Inferno right after I did... Uh, uh, courtship, courtship yeah. but I think for me right now dating is not my focus so yeah Netflix is my next big thing while modeling here in Thailand too so that's been fun too okay um, you're also a motivational speaker yeah and uh, let's say a, a, a lifestyle coach yep. tell me about becoming a motivational speaker what, what drove you to want to help other people or inspire them now now that i've spoke you know started speaking to you and like you told me about your background how you started feeling feeling ugly in school do you think those are some of the things that have motivated you yeah to motivate others yeah so you know it was, it's interesting because thailand actually drives me a lot too and this is nothing against uh anybody right but i live in a soak area right and i see a lot of um Foreigners or Farangs coming to Thailand for the wrong reasons sometimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so you see that. A lot of the times, not not sometimes, but yeah. uh, I already didn't like that I was always, so whenever I went to America, they would, or even a European country, like, oh, you're tall for an Asian guy. You're uh, handsome for an Asian guy. You're, you have muscles for an Asian guy. I'm like, are Asian guys, even, even Indian, right? Like, Mm -hmm. are we like lower quality? Like, what do you mean? And 
I have never went to a country to meet women in a country, right? Like, I've heard there's countries where beautiful women, but I don't go there thinking they'll fall in yeah. love with me. It's yeah. it's easier there, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. oh, they like you more? Yeah. Why do guys come to Thailand? They know, especially, you know, can I say the word farang? Yeah. Oh, it's not a bad word, right? That's okay. Yeah, farangs, like, I live in, the, not all, not yeah. all, but they come here for this country to, and that's not right. The priorities shouldn't be a woman in Thailand. Thailand has so much more. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Thai women, very beautiful, very lovely. But the culture, the best beaches, like Maya Bay just opened, like Phuket, the island. It's the best city in the world. And then you could just go to Phuket or have a chill town in Chiang Mai. And I think Thailand reminds me of why I do what I do. So I'm a lifestyle coach and a conference coach and a speaker for Asian men. I just want Asian men to be considered equal and sexy among all men. Like, I, I shouldn't go to America and I say, oh, that Asian guy? Oh, that tall, good-looking Asian guy? In Thailand, I'm just Daniel Kim. Yeah. In Korea, I'm just Daniel Kim. That should be the norm. We shouldn't... We, no, you don't call... I know in Thailand you say that wrong, but usually you say Jacob or whatever his name is. Yeah. And in Korea, I guess it kind of is bits, but I don't think... So Thailand's are not... That's what I love about Thailand. They're not racist against any foreigners, really, right? What I've... Personally, what I've seen. Um, they actually want guests to come in um, and I think that's what I love about Thailand. And I just want me, what I want to do is just, I want, at first I was just doing coaching and speaking because I thought if I could just help one Asian guy become more confident, become more whatever masculine it is, it would help spread in his community. But I felt like it was so slow. So for me, I'm trying to be more out there because I think we need to hear this as Asian guys. I feel like Asian guys are so quiet. Um, there was a study done in America that on these dating apps were the least swiped. Like we're always swiped left. Um, we're not on any main shows. Like, like think about Shang-Chi. It's yeah. the only Asian Avenger movie or Avenger movie where he didn't have a romantic interest. Mm. He didn't have a romantic interest. That's crazy. The only superhero didn't have a romantic interest. And it's just like, I don't know. I just feel like right now there's a big movement coming with the Asian culture. Um, and I think... Yeah, for a long time, I mean, Hollywood didn't have parts for Asian actors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's my goal. And me, like I said, I was the only Asian guy on a dating show. I made it halfway. But even then, I felt disrespected by some of the Caucasian guys on the show. I felt like this guy's not a threat. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> okay. And, you know, it's fine. You know, and and it's funny because you see, like, how awesome Asian men are living in Asia, right? Like, mm-hmm. the best Muay Thai fighters, right? Like, these guys could kill in the UFC, right? And I just don't want, I just want us to be, I don't want us to be better than any other guys, though. I want us to just be equal. And I think that's what I speak about now, about confidence and lifestyle, because I think we're awesome. Yeah, because, um, you know, you say that my biggest complaint with uh, Thai people in general is the fact that they don't appreciate how amazing they are. Um, a lot of the times, you know, a foreigner here is considered more intelligent because of their English speaking skills. They're considered to be more skillful because, you know, they're coming and working here just because of the color of their skin or because, you know, they're a foreigner, not necessarily a white foreigner, but just a foreigner. Foreigner, And, And I feel like a lot of my friends especially look down on themselves um, and and feel like they're not as good yeah. just because of either language skills or because they have a different nationality of them. And I think that's where one of the biggest changes of Thailand needs to take place, where they need to realize that this is first an amazing country, yeah. where 
people dream to come here. I want I want to say something yeah. about Thai people. Mm-hmm. I really want to say this because this is coming from the heart. I wake up every day and sometimes I'm tired. I don't want to do workouts or cardio. I just don't want to do the work, right? Grab driver, grab bike, or even the people who manage my the way I live or just here outside or the people in the food stands. Do you know how hot Thailand gets? Mm-hmm. Every time I start to complain, I talked about duty before, right? I feel like, and it's, it's something small too. I remember on the grab drivers on their phone, they have kids on their phone. Yeah. I mean, these guys have a duty in, in this hot weather to no matter what, do the job so they can provide for their kids. And I found out how much some of these people make. And as a foreigner, I remember a couple of weeks ago, I saw uh, uh, Farang yell at a Thai person in English mm-hmm. to learn English. Thai language is harder to learn than English. I tried learning. It's very hard. The Thai language is very hard. Like, be just respectful. And I think Thai people need to understand, you know, first of all, to Thai women, be more respectful of, of yourselves, too, because I feel like you guys, there's a reason you guys are beautiful, you're amazing, but don't let these guys treat you bad. That's the first thing I want to say. But just Thai people, don't let foreigners come in. I know they bring in uh, economy and all this stuff, and it's good, but, like, Make sure you know that you're you're awesome. Like your country's awesome. Like this is like second home to me. I never been to a country except for Korea where it felt like home. And I'm still a guest. And that's one thing about Asian cultures we learn is be respectful of each other. I will never look down on a Thai person because I have the privilege to live as a foreigner in Thailand. Right? Yeah. I live in the eight, I have AC right now. I have food. Right? Be grateful because there's people out in this weather. Right. And we're living in Bangkok. Imagine going on the outskirts. Right. So Thai people, you guys are amazing because without the blessings that I was born with in America uh, or I was born with in America, you guys are working your butts off to provide for your families. And I just, you know, and you guys always have hope. I feel like there's always hope people praying. Um, And, you know, I just I just love Thailand and the people in the country, too. So, yeah, well said, man. Um uh, on the topic of you know, uh, keeping keeping on the topic of like motivating people, can I yeah. ask you like, what do you think is the most common problem you see in people when you're trying to, like, you know, motivate them or change their lifestyle? Like, is it that they've come to believe something that is untrue, mm-hmm. or is it because they can't form a consistent, sustainable way of maintaining a change? I think the first thing is people don't know what they want. That's the first thing. So well said. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's. They come to me. I want to be confident for this. I want to be confident for this. I want to be confident for this. Okay, why? Right. It, it looks good, and it's usually because you want what someone has. So for me, fitness was a big thing. Right. I used to be overweight. I remember I actually had a nice body a couple of years ago, and I lost it like that. And I did it because of other people. I wanted. The looks from, you know, the females. I wanted guys to be like, oh, you're so muscular. And I remember every time I looked at myself, I couldn't see it. I was like, what? Do I have it? Do I have it? Do I have it? And then I lost it like that. And the, fir- the first time it was in Thailand when I realized this, um, that I, was, I remember I was on like a boat. And I remember I got all the validation from all the people I wanted. And they all went away and they started partying. And I was just by myself. And I did this weird Titanic scene. I was out in the water just like meditating on the end of the boat. And I had this huge epitome of... Wait, just for a moment, they love me, but now they don't even care about me. The only person who should care about is yourself. So the thing about motivation, I personally think, and I still work on this every day. What do I want? 
Like not well, like oh, I saw this on Instagram. I saw that not Instagram. That's a whole other story, right? But it's, like, it's do I really want to eat that? Do I really want that car? Do I really want that house? Do I really want this, that, that? Figure that out. And once you figure that out, now you could f- go for what you actually want. Because the worst kind of success, the worst kind of confidence is you think you're confident and you think you're successful, and you wake up one day and you realize this is not actually what you wanted. And you're 60, 70 years old, 80 years old. That's the worst thing, and I think that's what I want to tell my because some of my students are older, my clients are older, um, and they they go through divorces or they go through some kind of traumatizing event, and I, I say, guys, like, you gotta figure out what you want. Is is it true that everybody has that moment in life where suddenly something happens and that's when they decide to do that change? Um, or does it take someone to come and like push them? So if I push them, usually they get mad. So you should never tell anybody what they are not or who are you to do that, right? You know, the quote, only God can judge me. But I do want to say one thing. It is a privilege to think about confidence. You think the grab driver who's working hard to provide family, that's that's another thing. If you have a duty, and a lot of people say when you have kids, it changes all of a sudden because now they're not thinking about them. Well, you know why we think about confidence and lack of confidence? Because we're only thinking about our health cells. We're so privileged mm-hmm. to think about Man, I want more confidence today. It's not like, how do I get my next meal? So that I want to talk about. It's a privilege. You should be grateful that you could think about life, think about what's my passion in life, right? Like, there's people out there who just have to survive every single day. And you see it. That's why I love Thailand. I really, you know, I remember uh, you had a guest here, Frizzo. I did one of his events. And those people just trying to survive, right? And so first, I want to say that. Second, yeah, I think... Don't wait for that opportunity or traumatizing event. Trust me, because sometimes that traumatizing event could change your life forever. For example, health, mm-hmm. right? That, that was, that's pretty scary if you have something really unhealthy for you to like, lose weight, right? Um, that's one thing I believe. If you want to be confident, the first thing is get in the best shape you can of your body. What your body, and because I'm a big believer in this because I used to be overweight, right? I used to look in the mirror and I hate it. No matter, I just, hate, I, couldn't felt, I couldn't convince myself, it's all right, your body's nice. It's okay, love yourself, eat that cake eat that pizza it's fine i couldn't do it mm. i looked at myself i was unhealthy i felt like crap i had low energy so i was like first thing go to the gym or do something to just be in your best shape possible because what that does is the body is the one thing that you fully control there's no excuse like unless you have like huge medical things that's why don't get medical don't get into a medical trauma but you could at least do something and it's small wins so a lot of people think about the big intention right the future i want a million dollars i want to have a family i want to love her my life Start what you could do today. And if you could do something each day and it compounds, then you become, I have this quote, I always say, be 1% better or even 0.5. In 100 days, what's 100 days of 1%? It's 100%. You're a whole different person. So that's the confidence tip that I kind of believe that it's like, don't wait because it does suck. Um, Like for me, it was like my girl breaking my heart, my first love, um, or... You know, I've been blessed enough, nothing happened to my parents, but one of my goals is to be financially free for my parents, too, one of the main reasons. So don't wait until something traumatizing happens, but sometimes that's the kick in the butt you need. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. My, my, my last two questions are already basically around uh, Thailand. I think you've pretty much answered them already, but, like, um, so where do you see your future in Thailand? Like, do you do you plan to be here for a longer time? Do you want to ah, test things question. out? Yeah. Uh, so I'll probably extend my 
contract here and it's stayed okay. three more months. Mm -hmm. That's the goal right now. And I do think if I want to make it TV and acting here, um, learning Thai is my number one priority. Um, but I actually do have a plan to have an apartment or a place to live here every time I come because I love Thailand. I actually want to bring my parents here next oh, year. Um, Thailand has just been such a welcoming place. And I think that's one thing about Thailand is, and I, I, it's so sad to hear that, that Thailand people do not feel confident or feel like they're less than francs. Because one thing about Thailand, mm -hmm. and you know this is true, foreigners and francs come here because they're exactly more confident, right? and, and that's what i tell <laughs> my friends i was like you have no idea how fortunate yeah i feel to be here because there's no one there's nowhere else in this world yeah. i would want to be and if so many foreigners loved their country and if yeah. their country was so amazing yeah. why would they bother yeah. coming here yeah so for thai people i want you guys to be more confident with farangs i want to say be humble that's what i want to say to them just yeah. be humble and be more yeah. respectful because yeah because yeah, you're right like there are a lot of um, foreigners who make everyone else look bad and 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 they yeah. uh, they do come here and they feel entitled and you're right the people who are like shouting and saying that um yeah. uh, speak english or or why can't you speak english and it's like imagine if someone started shouting at you because you can't speak thai let me tell you something interesting yeah. i just went to europe americans or other caucasians don't say that to europeans they don't say learn english to a german person yeah or why to a French person. Yeah, yeah. Why are you saying that to a Thai? And I'm, dude, okay, it's not a limiting belief. Racism against Asian, it exists. Mm -hmm. It exists out there. And I think in Thailand, it's a good example how, as a foreigner, you should not be disrespectful to Thai people. You're a guest in this country. Mm -hmm. you know what I mean, so, like, I think Thai people um, should stand up. For, no, of course, not violently, but you should stand up for yourself and be more confident because your country is amazing. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm respectful to our people. And not just like the cool celebrities or whatever. I'm talking about the people who work outside right now. Um, because, yeah, I've never seen such hardworking people. You know, I also love Thailand. The 24-hour grab stuff, all that stuff. Mm. Right? Like, Europe doesn't do that. You know yeah. how entitled Europe is? Oh, we're going to close at 10 or 11. Yeah. <laughs> so, like. See you in the morning. <laughs> yeah, see you in the morning. Or we're going to take a two-hour lunch break. Like, th Thailand, I, I, the people please be more confident because there's a reason why we feel more confident in your country because you guys make us feel confident. Yeah. And yeah. I wish this podcast, if you're watching it. The most loving, accepting people yes. I've ever met in my life. The most beautiful greeting in the world, Saudi Ka. <laughs> like, it does, nothing sounds more beautiful than the yeah. greeting of Thai. Saudi Ka, right? Yeah. So, Well, Daniel, uh, keep motivating. Uh, keep going and uh, hope to see you in more and more um future Thai productions, future Hollywood productions. Thanks appreciate for coming that. in and uh yeah, appreciate enjoyed this enjoyed this chat with you, man. Uh oh, no, thanks here, for man. coming on the show. Oh no, thanks for this is a pleasure and what you guys are doing is amazing. This is this needs to be said. And I think because I fell in love with Thailand, mm -hmm. I'm not cheating on Korea, but <laughs> <laughs> Thailand has been <laughs> You're an honorary honorary Thai member now. Yeah, yeah. So just keep spreading that message that yeah. Thai people Thailand is so much more than what people think it is so. absolutely so yeah. thank you for everything thanks mate cool done oh nice, nice. That was longer, right? that was too long, huh? no it's all good